If you are caring for a person with autism, great information from a trusted source can be a lifeline. We hope today's conversation will help you create success for the extraordinary individual with autism in your life. Now, here is your host, Rob Haupt. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Autism Talk. I am your host, Rob Haupt. I'm a VP here at Autism Spectrum Therapies, part of the Learn It family of companies. Uh, we are consisting of a number of different uh, therapy providers, education providers, including Learn It, AST, Desert Choice Schools, and Trellis Services. Uh, what is really cool about all of us that I just learned today, and, and I'm probably going to be, you know, proudly boasting every single day is uh, that as a group, we actually provide a million hours of therapy and services to just over 5,000 families. And that is, uh, that's pretty cool for a guy who uh, just started working with one kid uh, in a school, you know, 30, 40 hours a week. It's um, kind of a cool thought for me to think about how how big things have gotten and, and how much good I get to do every day. Um, and, you know, for you guys out there who, who, who don't know, and, and I think a lot of our return listeners do, uh, I'm an ABA guy. You know, all of our different services and all these hours aren't all ABA. A, a lot of them are. Um, but I'm a BCBA. I'm a board-certified behavior analyst, and uh, I started working in that educational environment and and progressed and moved on to this ABA and autism world. Um, and it really shapes how I see things. Um, you know, and, and this week, I feel like how I see things is is really front and center. Um, you know, we're, we're in May. Autism Awareness Month just, just came to an end. And, you know, we were, we were talking about today's show and, you know, what – trying to figure out what, what I want to talk about today. What, what, what's my thought for, for today? And, uh, and, and Christina, who, who you guys know helps me on the show, was saying, well, you know, I just really like that idea of autism awareness is more than just one month. And, you know, it's something that we've talked about, you know, April. We, 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 we get together, we, we go to our walks, we go to our events, we, we promote autism awareness, um, but we've got 11 more months to go. And we've got 11 more months to truly talk and spearhead and you know kind of hit me I'm like I'm actually going to a walk in May and I'm actually going to be at some events in May to raise this and it, and it feels like we're starting to to spread out this awareness and then I kind of immediately started to think of I've been in all of these random social situations and I've been amazed over the last few weeks how many strangers I've met who have a connection to autism. Um, just this last weekend, I happened to be um, at a party with a number of friends, and I think I must have spent two hours talking to a special education teacher and a speech pathologist who primarily work with kids with autism. And how many people just kind of started to come into that conversation and, and want to talk about it and ask me about what we do and, oh, you know, I have a nephew and I have a niece. Um, the same thing just happened to me recently when I was just traveling. You know, it's amazing how many cab drivers or Uber drivers want to talk about autism for the same reason. My cousin, my niece, my nephew. Um, it, it really is starting to impact everyone. 
and it, it feels like, you know, we almost have to like, it should be like autism awareness day that takes place every day of the week. Like every Thursday is going to be autism awareness day where we talk about what have we learned? What is new out there? Cause, cause there is something new every single day where we're learning new things, hearing new things. Um, it's just amazing. Even in, again, all the random things that are coming up in my head is, yeah, I was watching TV last night and, you know, whether it be on serious shows, comedies, you, there's all of these connections. It, it's, it, it feels like autism is starting to become something that we truly all are living with, talking with. It, it's becoming more than this norm, whether it be legislatively, um, whether it be socially, whether it be just, you know, the, the fact that I was at a restaurant this past weekend and I could tell right away there was a, a young man with autism who clearly to me, knowing the signs, working in, in the field I do, I, I could see right away he was engaging in some, some behaviors, well-behaved, but some behaviors, and not a single person in the restaurant said anything, looked him cross. Uh, it, it was like he just was there. Look, We all kind of knew, like, oh, this is just, you know, he has autism. He's doing well. He's not disturbing anyone. Let's you know, let him do his thing. And that didn't feel like a big deal in the moment. But looking back, you know, five, six hours later, as I was telling my wife this, it's like, yeah, it, it actually is a big deal. The fact that we're not making a big deal about something is a big deal. It's a, it's a sign of the progress. So, you know, I, I, I think about this, again, Autism Awareness Month and it up to an end, and it feels like, you know, our awareness is now kind of moving to a to a new level, a new direction, and and now's the time to really to push this conversation, and really start looking at things from from more points of views, broader points of views, challenging some of our assumptions, um, and really and really thinking about uh, you know what is the true definition of awareness. So today I'm joined by uh, Tom Island. Uh, Tom is a certified public accountant or a CPA. Uh, he currently is working as a staff accountant at Calavo uh, Growers in Santa Paula, California. Uh, Tom graduated from California State University in Northridge in 2008 with a BS in accounting and has worked for many well-known companies such as Disney, Deloitte, and Princess Cruises. Uh, he is uh, a young man on the spectrum himself who does a lot of public speaking. I know I've heard Tom uh, one or two times out in the community just sharing his experiences. And we're going to talk to him today about just the last few years and, and what he's learned and what he can share with all of us. So, Tom, thanks so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Rob. You know, I'm, I'm kind of curious. You, um, you, you've got this clearly just you know, knowing a little bit about what you do and, and, and having heard you speak before, you know, you have a lot going on in your life. You, you really developed a, a lot of personal and professional success over the years. Um, what has motivated you to really get out there and start talking about your experiences um, in terms of as a kid, as a teenager, and now um, as, an, as an individual on the spectrum? Well, I recently turned 30 years old, and it really got me to thinking about uh, the legacy that I want to leave behind in mm -hmm. my life. And uh, my story, my journey can really cause and be an inspiration uh, to others. And I wanted to get it out there and 
just make a difference. As Gandhi says, be the change you want to see in your life. So I wanted to go out there and tell people about me and see if they might be able to take something away from it to benefit uh, their child or their significant Mm -hmm. person or what have you who might be on the spectrum. That's awesome. At what point did you realize that you were on the spectrum? Well, I was diagnosed at least on a formal level when I was 13 years old, though okay. the signs were there from a very young age. Uh, there were magnetic letters on my parents' refrigerator that I would rearrange into letters. I could program VCRs. You remember those? To record shows like Sesame Street, and I would rewind my favorite parts over and over again. And even say lines from movies and television shows in conversation, even if I did not necessarily know what they meant in my family, we called it video talk. And so my parents, when I was 13, explained to me that there's a a pattern for this kind of behavior, and the term for it is autism. And that's when I found out that what it was. And my uh, aunt, that's my mother's sister, was mm-hmm. the autism specialist for the state of Illinois for a number of years. So she saw oh, wow. the signs and conveyed that to my mother. Yeah. I'm just curious, you know, you're 13 years old. I remember me at 13 and it's, it's like the most uncomfortable time in, in my life. Just puberty's full steam ahead. Um, you're awkward, you're uncomfortable. Middle school was, I, I personally thought middle school was actually more difficult than high school. Um, and you get hit with this news. I mean, how, how are you feeling? Was this a relief? Was this a, what, you know, confusion or was this, you know, some other type of emotion? Uh, yes, I was on the brink of junior high. I was in sixth grade yeah. when I first learned about it. And yes, it was definitely a transitional phase and I had to Uh, come to terms with it uh, as far as knowing what it was, how it affected me, and it definitely served as a bit of an explanation. So it's kind of like, oh, so this is why I'm repeating all these lines from Mm -hmm. movies and such. And and at first it was a little bit uh, devastating. Oh my gosh, something's different about me. That's that's not good. Whereas I'm now conveying to families, educators, what have you, that it's okay to be different, and once the person accepts his or her differences, then they can start creating the life that they want. Yeah, I mean, it's such a mature concept. I think to you and me, it's like we're adults now, and we're, uh, it's being different is actually kind of cool now when, when you're older and an adult, but you don't get that as a kid, or especially not as a, as a, a young teenager. And, and especially with uh, dealing with young kids, um, yeah, they they often fear what they don't understand, and as a result, uh, I was uh, bullied on some level because I was very intelligent but not very mm-hmm. social, and so and and these uh, then bullies have now grown up into adults themselves, and some of them have actually come forward and said, "I'm sorry, I treated you the way I did when really? I was a young kid." Yes. So wow. Eventually, these bullies do grow out of it, and. Some of them come to terms with what they did, and if they actually take that step to uh, tie up loose ends or bury the hatchet or whatnot, then it shows great maturity on their part. You know, I, I, I'm curious, as you were going through these, you know, I don't know, it's probably that 13 to 18 transition window. You're, you're trying to, you know, every kid is trying to figure out who they are. 
um, were there were there things that your parents did that your teachers did that really just kind of help you better understand yourself? You know, okay, this is me. This is Tom. You know, as well as maybe better understand just autism and and, and how that kind of relates to you. A lot of things that my uh, parents uh, did that really uh, helped me know that I was at least uh, supported and that there was somebody out there to fight for me. They assured me that they are, my parents, my number one ally. Mm -hmm. And they're the ones that would go to bat for me, fight for me. They wouldn't take no for an answer, especially when it came to those uh, individualized education plans or IEPs, and even stepped up to say, if a goal was not met or if the mm-hmm. school district had not done its job. And I even uh, attended some of these IEPs because I was at the point in my life where I do have a say in what happens to me. I'm in control yeah. of my destiny. So if I'm able to speak up and say, this goal is not accurate or I, don't, I didn't say this because if I don't speak up for myself, no one will. Yeah. Did you find, I mean, I'm curious how, at what point did you find yourself getting to be that self-advocate where, like you said, you were standing up for yourself. Mm-hmm. I find I really came out of my shell and became uh, really self-aware and my own self-advocate. Uh, when I was in 10th and 11th grade, I went to a school in Sherman Oaks, California, uh-huh. that specializes in autism. It's called the HELP Group. Oh, yeah. And I would not be who I am today if it weren't for my years there. It was there that I learned about body language, nonverbal communication, uh, idioms, euphemisms, mm-hmm. cliches. Mm-hmm. And that, that was where I, I really developed. And up to that point, I always wanted a girlfriend and I started to get a better idea. And we were talking about my sister earlier, you and I. Yeah. She laid, kind of laid down the law. This is what girls want. And so after I knew what girls wanted, I set out to do those things, whether it be uh, keeping myself clean, learning how to cook, learning how to dance, talking about them, not always about me. Mm-hmm. And that has worked. You know, I, I remember, you know, you said we, we were talking a little bit about that before the show. And, and um, I, I really, I, I had, as I mentioned, I had heard you speak probably about four or five years ago. And I, I was really impressed by that story, the way you described it at that event, because it, I love that your sister didn't say, you know, this is the haircut you need to have, or this is the exact shirt you should wear. It almost was like she gave you more of like, these are some general guidelines. So it, it felt like, the way you described it, I felt like you could have kept up with trends. You know, it was like, I feel like you had mentioned about like watching, like, here's a men's fashion show. If you watch this show, you'll be on top of what the trends are. And at the time of that talk of the show, or at least a few years before it, that really set things in motion for me was mm-hmm. called Beauty and the Geek. It's a social experiment <laughs> show by Ashton Kutcher. And, yeah, eight beautiful women and eight geeky guys were paired up oh. and put under a roof together and went through a series of physical and mental challenges to see what they could learn from one another. And halfway through each season, the geeks would get makeovers. So mm-hmm. new haircut, new clothes, eyebrows waxed, the, the whole nine. And so I went with that and started going to very fancy stores, getting nice clothes and improved my self-image and my self-confidence yeah. in the process. 
I just I find that type of concept like really interesting. Like I feel you know I'm 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 an ABA guy. I'm a BCBA. I've been doing ABA for so long, and we have a tendency to say this is exactly what you need to do versus here's like the general guidelines. Like I I think to myself, okay, I need to get a nice pair of clothes. I'm gonna go to Banana Republic. Like I know that's where you get like a classic look, and then pretty much as long as I get anything kind of within this reasonable package they have, I know I'm going to be considered, you know, well-dressed. Okay, great. That's going to work well for girls. It's like, I feel like that's cool that that's what you guys created together, you and your sister, versus just a, you know, here's what uh, the average 17-year-old at your school is wearing, therefore you wear it too. You know, you, this, this is just so much broader, so much more impactful. Very much so, and, and in that Beauty and the Geek uh, concept, we're dealing with uh, adults, and mm-hmm. and se- yeah, 17, 18 years old, you're a senior in high school, you're on the verge of going to college, and mm-hmm. hopefully the uh, people are starting to come into their own, and I, I do talks, uh, like uh, speaking engagements, lectures, what have you, on mm-hmm. the transition from high school to college, like in high school, people uh, sit together, like uh, the band people are over there, the football players are here, the choir people are there. In college, it's every person for themselves. They don't really mm-hmm. sit in cliques or what have you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you're, I'm, I'm curious, you know, we're talking about attire, um, you know, this idea of a personal goal, goal when you're 17, and it's, I mean, it's probably the same personal goal every 17-year-old boy has is, all right, I want to I want to find a significant other. Uh, I want to. I mm-hmm. want to find someone who I can. I can be dating. Um, did that? I'm, I've got to assume that impacted the social stuff as well. Where now all of a sudden the, those social skills, like you were saying, the body language, that must have been a big motivating factor to to really like. Okay, I'm really going to pay attention to all these things. Uh, very much so, and a lot about ninety, at least ninety percent of our communication is nonverbal. So, mm-hmm. uh, tone of voice, uh, how loud or how soft you're speaking, whether or not you're looking at somebody, mm-hmm. or, and also how you're sitting, like proximity. These are all factors that once brought to my attention, I started to uh, look at when I'm talking with people to find out if they're interested or if there's something I can be doing to uh, keep their interest. So it really helped a lot, and especially. W- with talking to women. I'm curious, you know, I, I feel like sometimes you learn things and I know there's certain things like I myself have, I've kind of skills, behaviors, things I, I do where I have to pay a lot of attention to do it. I have to focus. It's not second nature. Um, and then there's other things that, okay, I've just done it enough times to become, it's become second nature. I do it without thinking. Um, the types of social skills you've learned, you know, is it something that even now as a 30-year-old man, you still have to kind of think about? Or is it something that you feel like, no, it's, I've practiced it so much, it's just now part of who I am socially? I would say uh, as I've grown up and uh, thought less and less about things like Star Wars and thought more and more about like, becoming a, a professional and a mm-hmm. CPA, in addition, uh, being in the environment of and presence of people that were pursuing the same goal as me, did I start to make it second nature? As mm-hmm. an example, when I went to Cal State Northridge, uh, there was an accounting association, and these were made up of students pursuing an accounting degree, going to networking events, going to resume workshops, and they were all articulate. They dressed well. 
they really put their academics first. They were very disciplined, and so mm-hmm. I adapted that same behavior, that same discipline, in order for me to move forward in my professional commu- professional endeavors. Interesting. Yeah, that's really cool to hear. I've, I, that's, it's just something I've always wondered, and, and just um, I, I know it's different for everybody. Um, you know, I, I want to focus on this concept of goals. You know, goals and self awareness. You know, and kind of kind of prepping for today's show, it feels like that's been a real big secret to your success. Is you seem like a really goal oriented guy. You know, I want to go talk to girls, so I've got to figure out how to do that. I have, you know, is that the case? Did you set goals for yourself along the way, whether they be professional or personal outside of the the love life area? And and is that a big part of why you think you've been so successful? I would have to say uh, at least having an outline or a path in Mm-hmm. in the ways that I go about achieving my goals is essential. Uh, starting mm-hmm. with, let's say, my bachelor's degree in college, uh, it I had a, a roadmap, so to speak, on what classes had to be taken, the, the prerequisites, and as I advanced up the ladder towards the degree, it did more and more courses get completed. And, that was, and I find that that's really key, at least for someone with a, a, who has like a visual learner, uh-huh. mentality or someone that kind of like as my sister would call it uh, going through a video game like you have to go through level 3 and 4 in order to get to 5 and before level 3 is 1 and 2 and, and no mm-hmm. cheating so no skipping levels or right. putting codes or something like that and it's like you have to beat like the boss at the end of every level so there may be like little tests you have to complete along the way or little benchmarks but that's how you get there I like that that's really cool I'm imagining the old Super Mario Brothers game. I, you kinda... I think of the Super Mario Brothers too. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly. What yeah, I'm you could always go up that platform and into that room with the uh, extra pipes and go to level three, four, or five, and you could skip level three and four if you wanted to. But in real life, you can't do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> you know, you you um you go to college. You know, why accounting? Why uh, why have you kind of chosen this path and and how did you realize that accounting was something you wanted to do? Well, I've always been really good with numbers. And when I was really younger, I loved uh, animals. And so I wanted to be a veterinarian. However, I nearly passed out from the smell of formaldehyde during a, a frog dissection in mm-hmm. junior high school. And as they say, there are two certain things in life, death and taxes. So death was out of it for me. And so I focused on uh, taxes, uh, finance, going into uh-huh. numbers and I learned of the position a certified public accountant at the time it was a very and it still is to this day a very prestigious respected position and I was all about following the rules and that's what accountants yeah. do so when I was a senior in high school I wanted to be an accountant I took a bookkeeping course and wanted to and I was also a big fan of Star Wars at the time so I wanted to be George Lucas's accountant and I had to. Right. Uh, we were talking about roadmaps. I couldn't just go straight out of high school to Lucasfilm and become George Lucas's okay. accountant. I had to uh, develop my work experience, my skill set, and get some connections. And so that was what I did when I started interning at Disney and moved up in my experience as a CPA. 
I'm just curious. You, you've mentioned this roadmap a few times, and I, you know, we're talking about this video game concept. Have you know? Did you do as a kid like the person-centered planning? Maybe those like, you know, those types of exercises with with your friends and your family, or is this just a concept that you just kind of gravitated to um, more organically? Uh, I'm not sure of a, a person planning. Uh, okay. Plan, but I, I do know of uh, there was a little game I played. That called Think It Through, and okay. just in the idea of being able to, you know what you want, but you have to know how to get there. So you think of the steps, level one, level two, level three, and the challenges that might arise. And mm-hmm. I've also found as I've grown up to even have a plan B or even a plan C. So if plan right. A doesn't fall through, do you have another way to keep going or another route that you can Take so if somebody says no, who do you go to? And yeah, if this paper is not available, what do you do? So having those alternate ideas and ways to keep the path going, I've found over the years to be also essential. <laughs> I'm like that's something that like I feel like my parents are still probably trying to teach me. You know, I've I've got a I've got a few years on you. I'm kind of in my mid 30s and. And I think to my parents, and they're still like, you know, don't overreact if things don't go this way. You still, you still got opportunities. You can always come up with second plans. Um, you know, I, I know you're, you know, you got a great job. You've got, you know, from from my understanding, is a, a successful uh, relationships with friends, with girls. You know, you're living on your own. You're doing all these great things. Um, you're speaking in public. I feel like all the parents listening are probably thinking, this is exactly the type of thing I want for my child. This is exactly the the future I wish for my child. Um, you know, what advice do you have for them in terms of, you know, things to focus in on um, for their, you know, teenage kid who's kind of starting that transition? And you were t- talking about, uh, or at least I think you were, about uh, the concept of change. I know people with autism tend to be very rigid and mm. restrictive when it comes to change, and they have their routines, and if it's disrupted in the slightest manner that it's all bets are off and mm-hmm. shut down or what have you. I know once upon a time I didn't have those plan Bs, and if my plan wasn't working, then it was like there was no other alternative. Whereas yeah. I would encourage, and I would encourage parents uh, to inform their kids that change can actually be a very good thing. And Mm -hmm. if anything, it is the only certain thing in this life today is that we we grow up, we evolve. We are not the same person we were uh, five years ago, five months ago, five days ago, or even five minutes ago. So it can also prove to be a very valuable learning experience. So I would encourage the parents to let their kids know that change can be a great learning experience and it's how we grow up and hopefully the the kid will be able to see that it can benefit him or her. And I would also encourage, or at least this is from personal experience, uh, mm-hmm. have parents encourage their kids to know that they are responsible for their own destiny and they are the ones that are to carry out and live their lives. No one else can do it for them and when they see something they should learn what it takes to make their dreams a reality as I did and Mm -hmm. 
thinking about how uh, Lucasfilm was recently acquired by Disney, and I'd wanted to work for Lucasfilm. So with having worked for Disney, I've indirectly accomplished my dream. Yeah. I've I worked for the company that now owns the company I wanted to work for. So yeah. So that so that was a, a motivating factor for me, and just knowing that I can do what I want to do if I really set my mind to it. I have mm-hmm. a plan, even a plan B. That success can come. Very cool. Very cool. You know, I listening to you. I, I'm I'm also curious. It seems like a lot of what you you seem like you really as a kid and was very in touch with what you liked, you know, it, listening to you, it's okay. I know I like Lucas. So how can I maybe spin this a little bit further? I know I like math. How can I spin this further? Um, how critical was that creativity as well as understanding of like, this is what I like. Let me build on this. Like how critical was that for you? And do you think it is for others too? Uh, yeah, yes, it is, and because finding a passion, something that makes you happy, something that can really make a difference in your life as well as the lives of others, whether it be volunteering in a nonprofit yeah. organization or just doing one little thing to make someone else's day, or anything that can really just make a better life for you or for others, that is something that is really critical and just very that's where I'm looking for fulfilling hmm. yeah you know you, you also you to kind of go back a step before um, you know talking about these these goals and these objectives that you set for yourself you know and, and you just said it you actually have kind of met one you know you worked for disney and disney now owns lucas and you know that's a huge like you know hey that's a huge success like i just accomplished something huge um have you been setting other goals for yourself you know you know now you're 30 there's there's a whole life ahead still you know what else are you kind of setting as goals for yourself as you look forward uh in connection with that uh fulfillment factor i yeah I, I want to uh, tell my story to others, uh, take on uh, professional speaking engagements, in addition to my day job as a CPA at Calavo, because I think that I will make a much bigger impact and difference in the world out in the field talking to others than I would sitting behind a desk all day. So that's something I ultimately want to move into and see if that can spread. Um. I want to ask you more about uh, about that dream and, and the public speaking piece, especially in one second. But I, I, I actually forgot. I wanted to ask you another question. And when you mentioned uh, Calavo, it kind of popped into my head of what I had forgotten. Um, I'm curious, are you, um, are you open with them as your employer of, hey, I'm someone on the spectrum. Here's some, some good things to know about me. Um, and if so, has that, you know, has that been a helpful thing for you? Excellent question, and I recently did have an experience that uh, I wanted to elaborate on and have some parents or some listeners really consider. Cool. Uh, with me, it, with me in an interview process, and I get this a lot. You cannot tell from the outside that I have autism, and mm-hmm. it's something that some people might pick up on it or think there's something a little odd about Tom. But as far as actually self-disclosing in an interview would depend on a number of circumstances, uh, up to. Uh, 
Calavo, I had never disclosed in, oh, wow. in an interview. Or I, ta- I take that back. I, I had disclosed in an interview on one occasion, and I have a feeling okay. it may not have gotten me the job. So I decided not to mention in an interview that I have autism. So my uh, employer prior to Calavo, I did not mention I had autism, but I still got the job. And mm-hmm. Day one comes, I explain to my manager in HR, I have autism. Here's what I need. I need you to help me with or just some accommodations that along the lines of taking notes or just sitting down with me and explaining how things work, Mm -hmm. then I can start to do my job. Well, that didn't work out too well with this particular manager at Tetra Tech. So with Mm -hmm. Colavo, my current employer, I took a different approach. I had my first round of interviews with the director of HR and my to-be boss if I were to get the job. I learned uh, and this was actually, uh, as fate would have it, the director of HR had his, a nephew with autism. So I kept nice. that in the back of my head, and I got called back for a second interview with the CFO, the head finance man. Mm-hmm. He turned me over to the director of HR when my interview with him was over. That was the time I chose to disclose to the director of HR that I have. I started with, you mentioned you have a nephew with autism. Well, I have autism. And I explained to her that I know how it affects me, and I know how that how the remedies are, for lack of a better word, so that I can do the job that they're asking me to do if I were to get the position, while still managing my I want I don't want to call them drawbacks, but my uh, room for improvement, if you will, yeah. and. Uh, so the director of HR was very yes, of course. <laughs> so the director of HR was very grateful for my honesty, and so I guess I had proven myself that I have the qualifications for the job, and that honesty with her, the director was the icing on the cake, and I got the position. Wow. And has and, it been? Go ahead. Oh yeah, I was just going to say. So one thing that I've been here a week now at Calavo, and I'm taking oh, wow. notes, and they're they're showing me the processes and. So it's working out really well, and it just goes to show if you have, and this goes back to our roadmap, what problems could you come across, how are you going to get over those roadblocks and then move forward? Yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm just always so interested in people, you know, I I know a number of people on the spectrum, um, obviously from what I do for a living, but I've actually become friendly with a number of people on the spectrum, and um, Uh You know, everyone seems to have a different opinion about their disclosure. Um, I know some, I have some friends who are very quick to disclose. They're very proud of it. I have other friends who are uh-huh. like, you know, I don't really want to be identified. I really want to just be like everybody else. Um, and, and I always respect their opinion because I know myself, like I, I kind of look back and say, I'm a very private person. Um, uh-huh. And I notice that like there's things about me that I don't really share and disclose very quickly if Ever, and they're a hell of a lot less personal than a, a diagnosis of autism. Um, so I, I, I just find that interesting. It's just you know understanding kind of like these different decisions and uh, and and then the benefits and the the opportunities that you have. Because I, I get asked that question a lot by parents: Should we share? Should we disclose? And it is uh, really up to uh, the individual family and how yeah. the. Uh, person identifies with autism, you could go saying, hi, I'm Tom, I have autism. Right. Or you can, uh, or you can uh, 
get get to know the situation a little bit, see if it's right for you, and, and especially in right. an employee situation, if you have the qualifications, the experience that you could do the job, and then just mention maybe at the end of an interview or a second round of interviews, oh, right. by the way, I have something, 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 here's how I can help you and you can help me, blah, 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 and see how right. that goes from there. Right, right, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, as as we're kind of wrapping up here, I I do want to go back to though that that the new goal, the the Tom as the public figure um and this presenter. Um I know I mentioned I saw you a, a bunch of years back, but I know you weren't like full swing in the presentation mode. Um you know, how's it been going? Have you been getting out there? Do you have any upcoming uh presentations that are are lined up? In the last 4 or 5 years, I have done a lot more public speaking engagements, namely through my mother's uh, work. She's currently the producer of a movie called Be Safe. It Mm -hmm. teaches uh, people with disabilities, uh, educators, first responders, uh, how to interact safely with the police. And it was made through uh, Inclusion Films. That's Joey Travolta's film company and features real police officers and real people with disabilities and it's a wonderful film, and so I would accompany my mother on those engagements as she promoted and trained. uh, She's trained thousands of police officers using this tool. And uh, over the years, I have gone to a number of classrooms. Uh, About six months ago, I was at Woodbury University in Burbank training their student leaders about autism. And two weeks from today, I'm going to be at... Club Nokia that's in the Nokia Theater next to the Staples Center in downtown LA through Temple Grandin and Friends. I'll be giving a little talk about employing people with autism, much like we were talking about here today. And so tickets are currently on sale for that, and I can give the information to get tickets for that. Yeah, yeah, please do. Yes, so the website is Temple Grandin and Friends. That's all one word. Dot com, and it will be the night of Wednesday, May 20th. Wednesday, through May 20th. Autis- yes, it's through Autism Works Now and Autism Movement Therapy. And Temple Grandin herself will be there. Uh, Joe Montaigne of Criminal Minds will be there. Uh, James mm-hmm. Durbin of American Idol fame. So it's a lot of big names and a lot of educational speakers and uh, musicians, artists. It's just about promoting employment of people with namely autism because sadly 90% of people with autism are unemployed or underemployed in today's society. And so we are looking to change that. And a lot of companies have made a commitment to hiring more people with autism, like my father's company, uh, Boston Scientific. They're Mm -hmm. making the commitment and so that goes back to the talk about uh, do families disclose right out the door in an interview or not? So yeah. Well, I, I sounds you know, if you're part of Temple Grandin and Friends, I feel like anytime someone's speaking with her, you're uh, you're definitely doing pretty well if your goal is to be a public speaker and and raise autism awareness. I I, I feel like. Those are the events that always seem to be the most attended and uh, get the largest crowd. So congratulations. That's a, that's a big accomplishment if that's, uh, if that's one of your goals. That's really cool. Thank you. Um, so, you know, we're out of time. Um, I, I know you're, you're, you're getting out there. You're helping more people. Um, 
any, you know, if we have listeners out there who want to kind of learn more about you, maybe where you're speaking, maybe uh, find out uh, what's going on, or, or maybe ask you a question. Is there a good way to, you know, for someone to, to get in touch with you or follow uh, what's happening with Tom? Uh, yes, I currently have a website in development. It's uh, Thomas Island, T H O M A S I L A N D, it's all one word, dot com. And you can find me on Facebook, the name Tom Island. I'm on LinkedIn. I have a meetup. So these you are know, all good ways to get in touch. Stellar. I, I really appreciate you coming in here. Um, I, I, I must admit, I was very, uh, when I saw that we were going to have a show together, I was like, oh, I remember him. This is, I, I just knew it was going to be a good show. And we were just <laughs> going to get a really great, honest perspective. And, uh, and you did just that. So thank you so much. Um, I, I I just have no doubt we're gonna keep kind of hearing you speaking and and uh, especially here in, in LA at the very least, kind of at all these different events, and you'll continue to share that perspective. So, thanks a lot. My pleasure, Rob. Well, thanks everybody for being here. Um, I really, really love talking to Tom. I, as I said, I was so excited and. And even, even before the show, I, as he alluded to, I was like, I want to talk about that story you told about your sister. Because it's, it, it, to me, it, it's such a, a great example about how we should teach. Not just, let me teach you this discreet little skill, but you know, Tom has a plan and had a plan. And you see the way he kind of put it together. Like I could, like that video game analogy, because I could really start to visualize like how Tom was developing his plans, his strategies. And it, it, it feels more and more like that's the approach we should be taking with our, with our older students, with our older clients and learners. Um, and so I'm really excited that he was able to, to, to share everything with us today because you know, I've certainly shared uh, my experience of listening to him speak to a lot of people here at AST. Um, if you have more questions, if you want more information, uh, email address us. Our email us at moreinfo at autismtherapies.com. Uh, we also have a really cool new resource that I'm really proud of that's uh, connected to the show called uh, All Autism News. Um, and the, the website there is allautismnews.com, all one word. And it will send you to um, a really cool tool we set up, which is just all the new stuff, all the new articles, all the new research. We kind of combed through it to, and kind of picked out the – this is the stuff that really is the most impactful. Um, and it's kind of, a, to me, it almost reminds me of like a, a kayak, you know, the, the travel sites. It's, we've kind of sorted and narrowed down all the different news stories, articles, legislation, you name it, uh, and given you the, the highlights so you can kind of get in there and stay informed and uh, truly take awareness, as I was saying at the top of the show, to, uh, to another level. So I definitely recommend everyone check it out. There's a ton of really cool resources there and information. Uh, you can also visit the um, autismtherapies.com. That's our website. And we're, we're constantly putting new resources and information there as well. Hope you guys have a great week, great weekend. And we'll talk to you next time. Take care. We hope you have enjoyed today's episode. Please join us each week for a new episode. Or visit our archives to listen to and download previous shows. 